Once again, to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Papa Newt of PapaNewt.com in Omaha, Nebraska, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman Ali of TheConjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we'll be joined by a special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, Madam Nadia of MadamNadia.com in Chicago, Illinois, bringing us today's topic on Charisma Magic for Men. Afterwards, they'll take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Miss Cat and Conjurman Ali. Miss Cat? Hi, Papa Newt. Nice to <laughs> hear from you. You know, I've been following you on Facebook this week. Yep. And, um... Boy, you you got a lot going on in your life, man. <laughs> it's been a it's been an adventure. Yeah, I see I see a lot of cool stuff. I see some strange cryptic allusions, which I don't even begin <laughs> to understand. I see <laughs> I see <laughs> I see some fabulous Persian food that I wish you could have just air freighted me that. That was mm. Um, (laughs) And, of course, all of the the magical um, things that you find in your your, uh, travels about Omaha, Um, antique symbols for for making um, incense cones. You're the guy, and you you, you document it all. And that symbol actually is my great-grandmother's, to be honest. Um, I just found it, and because I have a disability in my hands, I couldn't do the whole uh, paper method. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to use that, and it works beautifully. That's great. (laughs) See, that's the thing. And and it's an antique symbol from your – you said your grandmother? Wow. Yeah, I think my great-grandmother. Great-grandmother. Oh, that's a real treasure. How wonderful. Well, I just love to – I love to see your posts. Anybody – who is listening to the show, who is not following Papa Newt on Facebook. Um, Papa Newt, put down your uh, your um, URLs in the chat log, and um, we can find you on Facebook and become your friend, because being Papa Newt's friend on Facebook is a trip and a half. He's uh, become <laughs> quite the um, personal journalist. Okay, there it oh, goes. Thank you. Uh, Facebook.com uh, Papa, slash Papa Newt. Papa dot newt, and he's also found at papanewt.com. But it's the Facebook mm-hmm. stuff. I'm telling you, you gotta you gotta be following this man because he's <laughs> um, he's a trip. 
you're becoming really a kind of a celebrity, man. I, I really like what you're doing. <laughs> All right. You. Well, um, as for me, I've been kind of shut up in the Rumpelstiltskin room. And that's where we uh, spin the straw into gold. And um, the Rumpelstiltskin room is is <laughs> is where we are sent when we are working on books. And we have all of these pieces of tree fiber. You know, we start with logs and then we split them down in, into splinters and then we break them down further and then we, you know, kind of make paper out of them. And then we have to... Um, Right on the paper. That's it's the Rumpelstiltskin room, and we spin trees into books. And um, so I've been doing that. Been working on uh, proofreading, um, and um, Bottle Up and Go is finished. Yay! And I'm proofreading it. Yay! And, um, making <laughs> and making corrections. Um, a little bit of a delay on the on the uh, cover art and illustration. It's going to catch up with this, I know, and we'll get it all to press very soon. And um, so to um, split my time, because I do have Gemini rising, even though I'm a Taurus, I all of a sudden decided to revisit my dowsing bibliography, which has been online since 2010. And about once a year, I revise and update these bibliographies that we keep at ironwood.org. Now, there is an ironwood.com, and that's about our family. But this is ironwood.org, and it is the Ironwood Institution for the Preservation and Popularization of Indigenous Ethnomagicology, which has the acronym YIPI. And um, YIPI maintains a website and publishes books, books like Trolldom and North Asian Magic. Mm-hmm. And we have some more books coming down the pipeline, uh, the Jewish, Grim, fo- Jewish Folklore Grimoire by Jeremy Weiss. But um, YIPI also maintains bibliographies of books on subjects of interest to magicians who are looking to go beyond this year's hot Llewellyn book with the funny, colorful, psychedelic cover and are looking to find um, material that reaches back into the 19th century and sometimes earlier on whatever occult topic it may be. And these are very specialized bibliographies. I do not expect, um, oh, gosh, maybe... Oh, maybe a hundred hits per month at the most. These are not—they're—they're—they're um, they're well represented at Google. You can find them, but not that many people want to know about a book from 1932 on crystal gazing, unless you're a crystal gazer and you want to either be researching and writing your own web pages or books, and you want to learn where the source material is, or in case you're just one of those crazy bibliophiles and wants to make a checkoff list <laughs> so that you can know what books to go to. Uh, Abe Books or Amazon or um, Thrift Books or wherever you get your books, eBay, uh, Etsy, or some other place, um, uh, books.google.com, uh, which would have the um, some of the public domain material from the 19th century available. Anyway, but you don't know what to look for until you find the bibliography that's been compiled by somebody who's been there, done that. And I come from a family of librarians and book publishers, and so um, I was taught how to catalog and make bibliographies on my mother's knee because she was a research librarian at the University of California and at UCLA. So 
I know how to make a bibliography, and I've been doing it for a long time. I was so fortunate in my life to ask the right God for the right husband, and I met a guy who worked for a company called, um, a nonprofit called CLASS, which he's going to tell me what that acronym is. It was California Library. It changed. It, was, it changed from California to cooperative. So it was cooperative uh-huh. library agencies and services. It was a, it was a uh, an organization working with many different agencies, including libraries and governments and county governments. Yeah, class. Say it again. It was cooperative library association. Agency. Agency. All right. Cooperative Library Agency. For Systems and Services. For Systems and Services. And I married him. Isn't that great? (laughs) (laughs) So so he knows how to make a bibliography, too, and how to get it online. Yeah, Systems and Services. So um, we've been doing this, and so I revisited my Dowsing bibliography, and I thought I would just like – put it up and like, okay, I made some changes. Bibliography um, bibliography of dowsing materials has been puffed and fluffed. Have fun. But out of the woodwork came two of the best dowsers in the world who happened to be my friends on Facebook. Richard Webster, who's written many, many books on um, occultism, magic, and prayer um, for Llewellyn, and Stuart Palm, who we've had as a guest here on this show, who lives in Hong Kong and recently put out a book on pendulum magic, and they're like, but what about this? What about that? (laughs) And I had made a cutoff date on the Dowsing Bibliography of 1980 for reasons which will become apparent when you read the newly revised bibliography. Um, And I decided, what the hell? And I just forged on ahead to the year 2001. Eventually I'll catch up to where we are. But um, So the Dowsing Bibliography is um, outgrowing its... um, little chitinous covering and bursting out like a cicada from its um, uh, from its shell and spreading its wings and I'm adding pictures and I'm adding a lot more editorial material and I need to explain what I mean by that when you do a bibliography you have two ways to go one is the eh, bibliography name of author, mm-hmm. name of book, name of publisher, date, page count, and sometimes, you know, what size the book is. That's not what I do. I do what's called an annotated bibliography, and that's where you learn everything about what the bibliographer thinks about the book. And it's not just reviews of the books. It might be side comments about a lot of things, the topic and how it was handled, not so much as a review, but the whole history of how this topic is handled in the history of the bibliographized books themselves. So a good annotated bibliography is an entertaining read to bibliophiles of whom we have possibly a dozen <laughs> in our audience. It's a very spe- I can just see Ali is going, yep, 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 right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Ollie's going, yep, yep. I want you to look at it, Ollie. I really want you to look at it because there's a good lot of humor in it. I mean, you know, the whole point of it's one of the funniest bibliographies I've ever wrote. A joke a minute. <laughs> I'm I'm scrolling through it right now. Yeah, wait till you get to the part about just look up the look up the parts about the um the charts and the killing of trees. Okay, never mind. I you you have to read it to enjoy it. But anyway, 
that's what I've been doing. What have you been doing, Ollie? Tell me your story. Well, surprisingly enough, I've I've also been working uh, on on a bibliography for research. Oh my so God. lining. Our lives are very much lining up at this moment. So as you were talking about annotated bibliographies, I was like, oh, crap. I'm literally doing the same thing this past week. Uh, I've been – whenever you, whenever we dive into or start new research or a new publication, I always start off with a bibliography and a sort of annotated one that's for me. It's never published. I think it's just uh, – I journal it. Uh, it's less techie. It's done in a Moleskine journal, uh, but it, it's, it's my way of – I do need to start transferring it online, which would be easier to search, maybe using Zotero or EndNote or something like that. But I, I've I've been in bibliography mode, so I have piles of books, looking up things online, uh, and and it's been it's been an interesting. It's the uh, it's the side it's the side of kind of uh, you know research that people aren't that isn't glamorous that isn't exciting but it's fun for the people who actually do research so for me it's interesting but for the average person it looks dreadfully boring (laughs) well you know it's funny back in the day bibliographies were printed in books i have one Mm -hmm. right to my left i almost use it as a a totemic um, emblem it's called california in the kitchen by Lissalotta Glozer, my mother and i can hold it right here california in the kitchen and then it says, an essay upon and a checklist of California imprints in the field of gastronomy from 1870 to 1932. Oh, wow. See, that's my mom. <laughs> wow. Privately printed, 1960. And in the acknowledgments, the last acknowledgment is thanks also to C. Manfredi. That would be Kathy Manfredi. For technical aid and help in research, that would be me. Mm. I was Catherine Manfredi. So um, I put this California in the kitchen as a reminder that I'm not crazy. <laughs> I'm from it a runs in the family, family of bibliographers. Yeah, with a family. That's yeah, it. Yeah. And um, and so, but now with the web, you don't have to worry about privately printing these monographs and bibliographies because they're so specialized. I think she printed 500 copies of this thing, and she sold them all. I mean, you know, every library in America wanted one, you know, but, um, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, it's the time is now. Put the bibliographies online for free and let, the you know, the 16 people read it. As long as you publicize it through Google, and and um and I also have to say this is a plea on behalf of Yippie. If you do collect books on any of the subjects of magic that are Yippie has bibliographies on, or if you want us to start a bibliography on your topic, we have them on uh, crystal gazing and and um, spirit boards, and we have we just have so many of them. Uh, there are some that haven't even yet appeared online because we, they're not big enough yet. If you have anything you want to uh, bring to our attention or any bibliography you've privately collected, Yippie is a nonprofit. We're not making money off of it. Please donate and contribute, not money, but uh, ideas. Uh, Yippie thrives on ideas, and the idea is the <clears throat> preservation and popularization of indigenous ethnomagicology. Okay, so that was it for my pitch. Now, we're bringing in Madam Nadia today. 
And uh, Madam Nadia, hello. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Hello. Hello, hello, it's, hello. It's so nice to have you here. And those who are new Thanks. to the show, I'm just going to say a few words about Madam Nadia. Those who already know her already love her. Um, <laughs> Ma- <laughs> um, Madam Nadia is um, a root worker and a reader. She is a member of AIR. And um, she is a person who has made a couple of really interesting specialties in her work. One of them is glamour magic, and uh, she goes by the name of the Gloss Fox. And Mm -hmm. another of her great interests is cartomancy. And she Mm -hmm. is one of the people responsible for the repopularization of the Lenormand deck. Um, uh, Nadia comes from a... Uh, European background where Lenormand was more popular, playing card magic uh, and playing card um, divination was more popular, and of course Tarot. She knows them all, but she has spread um, these different forms, oracle cards and stuff, around on the internet and has done a tremendous service. In fact, wouldn't it be kind of cool, Madam Nadia, for the bibliography of the books on card reading? We'll think about that. Oh my God, that that would be lovely, and I would want to have all of them. I would <laughs> just want to have, have all of them. Well, we start. I, I want to be surrounded by them, and in, in old age, just just rub myself against moleskin and leather of books about divination. I think it's <laughs> like I, I if I feel it, it like if I imagine the end of days, that would be my perfect probably. I'm already fulfilling your dream, baby. I sit <laughs> on the floor with stacks of books on card reading, and stack. I have one whole section. It's as tall as me, just on dream divination. Oh my God, dream divination is 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 an art that needs to be brought back, and I, I, like there has to be a workshop or something done about it because I think that dream divination is one of those things that doesn't get enough love. Yes, I get you. So anyway, let's start. Uh, let's make a pledge here for um, a bibliography of books on cartomancy. And uh, yes. you can start by listing what you have in your collection. I'll list what I have in my collection, and we'll just go forward from there. Not the cards. We're not talking about a list of the cards. You can go to Eclectic Tarot for that. But a true bibliography, but it has to be annotated. That's what makes it for real, where you say, this book meant so much to me when I was learning, and this is a book I despise, and why? You know, that's it. Or, or this is the book that I shoplifted when I was 15, and it was in Hebrew, and then I realized that it was written in English, and then I had to transcribe the handwriting of the person that actually wrote that book that had a horrible handwriting when I became an associate <laughs> producer, and that was a karma, and that was uh, Angelis or Angie Arias, I believe her name is, and she passed away, but this is how my karma works. I, wow. It actually happened in real life. I had to transcribe her notes for a show. She had horrible handwriting. Um, <laughs> as all of you know, I'm like, English is my third language, Transcribing is not my thing, but I am still grateful for this opportunity. This was on her book on the top back, and it was one of the only books you could find besides Rider Waite at the time in Israel when I was 15 or 16, and I thought that wow. stealing books from the rich 
for the poor was like the greatest thing ever. And I still can't believe that I walked out with that big ass book out of that bookstore and nobody called the police, but I do have it in English and I do have it in Hebrew still. I cannot part with that book. Uh, so, yeah. Well, you see, your karma is such that for having stolen that book, now you have uh-huh. to start a bibliography. Well, th- this is a case. <laughs> this is a John cat. I just forced this into your karma, and Nadia will say, yes, Kat, of course, because I do do what you tell me to do. Uh, that, that's the thing. You know, I've been doing it for the past probably, what, 20 years. So, yes. Well, uh, you're, so, you're such a, do- <laughs> a darling. Thank you. Well, well, you brought us the topic of um, charisma, and here we've been chatting about bibliographies, but, you know, this is what real life is like. Let's go to Charisma for Men, and I'm going to actually um, uh, get ahead here of Navgashiva, who's going to, at this point, ask me, will we be doing two readings or one? And my answer is we will do one reading, and we're going to talk about Charisma and run over. Is that okay with you guys? Fine with me. Yeah. Okay, so we prepare ahead, and that's the way it's going to be. All righty. I'm going to just say a few things about charisma and and um, magic for men. Number one, there are overlapping um, types of, of interests in magic. One of them is sex magic, overlaps with love magic. And sex magic and love magic mm-hmm. are related. But if you imagine a Venn diagram, those two circles that overlap, and there's that little bit in the middle where they overlap, sex magic and love magic overlap quite a bit, but not completely. There are um, people who are completely asexual and still have love. And there are people who love someone whose gender preference is not what they are, and yet they still love one another. And so that overlap is there. There are people who want sex and don't feel love at all for anyone. So that's one overlap we're talking about. And then we break into the next area, which is are these men that we're talking about, the the men who are going to have this charisma magic, are they gay or straight? Who do they want? Some of the magic done by straight men to attract women will be different than some of the magic done by gay men to attract men because of the symbolism of the herbs or the formulas that were designed using those herbs and roots. But again, they overlap, like the two circles overlap. And a great part of the charisma magic that's done by men will work no matter whether your gender preference for a partner is male or female. Okay, So I'm trying to kind of set the scene here for the idea that we're not doing gay or straight, we're not doing um, sexual or uh, love, but we're doing charisma. So now we have these little petals, you know, where you start putting those Venn diagrams together, we're going to add another circle, and that is charisma. So when you put them in together and overlap, where we're looking is, is the petals where they all overlap a little bit. Charisma is charm. It's attractiveness. It is Um, What makes someone want to vote for one candidate and not another? It's the person Mm. who everyone goes to the party that they're going to rather than stays away from the party where that other person is. It's the person that everyone talks to 
um, and tells their stories too. It's the person with more friends on Facebook. Charisma can take many forms. It can be verbal and it can be appearance-based. When we're talking about magic, of course, we're not going to be able to give someone a mellifluous voice or a great vocabulary mm-hmm. through magic. You've got to develop that yourself. But appearance can be modified by what's called glamour magic. Oh, In other yeah. words, you you use some herbs, roots, formulas, oils, powders, and you give yourself an an appearance of a glow that is charismatic. Some people call this animal magnetism. Some people mm-hmm. um, uh, call it silent influence. And it can take the form of domination and command, but it can also just take the the form of absolute attractiveness when you walk by that rose bush and it's giving out that scent and all those flowers are in bloom and you just walk over to it and smell it, it's not dominating you. It's just mm-hmm. attracting you. And charisma can take many forms, including active and passive forms. Okay? Mm-hmm. So there we go. That is what we're dealing with, charisma magic for men. All right, take it away, Madam Nadia. Okay, taking it away, you guys. So I think that um, it's very interesting for me as a woman who specializes in glamour magic and teaching largely women about glamour and attractiveness and how to be that one rose that the little prince will absolutely commit to, right? Mm-hmm. So, but then how do, how do you become the little prince? And I think that initially when I thought about the concept of me talking about glamour magic for men, it was, was almost overwhelming. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, when I started thinking about it, who is better? And I'm, I'm talking here from a point of a, a, a female that's attracting males and not a male that's attracting males. What is it a better, who is better to speak to that than a woman who um, is there to be wood suited, attracted to? Mm-hmm. So this is one aspect of it. And the other thing is that I know that we associate sexual charisma with charisma, but that's not only that. Charisma is charisma. You know, we're thinking about the short little Napoleon out there that mm-hmm. conquered so much and so many. And I don't know what was the size of his penis, but the size of his brain and the size of his charisma <laughs> and the size of his alpha selfness was so great and so attractive. And what was it about him that made everybody just follow him, just want to do what he says? You know, this is what, what, what the dude says, and we're all going to follow him and, and do it. So so it took a second to to separate myself from it and be like, what is it that makes men truly charismatic? What is it that makes men attractive, but in ways not just that I, I'm, you know, I want to ravish you or you want to ravish me and we're going to have a great sexual encounter, but that I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and I'm still going to be thinking about you. And maybe mm-hmm. you didn't have, you know, the big the, the the biggest member or the best tricks, but you are still on my mind and you possess me in a way that is mm-hmm. um, 
primal and I cannot explain it. But yet, when mm. we come to magic, when we come to hoodoo, we do want to be able to explain it. We, we do want to be able to share tools and tricks and formula mm-hmm. that will help those men uh, or any man to become more attractive and more charismatic. And just like any woman can become more attractive and more charismatic, I believe that mm-hmm. every man can. It's just mm-hmm. the, the mirror or the lens through which we're going to examine the ingredients and the appropriation of the spell, if you will, is going to be a little bit different. And yes, mm-hmm. this is where we are going to start to separate maybe the sexual uh, preferences. But to me, when a man is charismatic, it doesn't matter if he's gay, straight, asexual, mm-hmm. bisexual, or metrosexual. It's a man that can come into a room and dominate that room like a motherfucker. And everybody's mm-hmm. going to be sitting there. And that could be a room full of people, or it could be a Twitter account, or it could be your social media, or it could be uh, a masterclass that you're writing, or whatever it is, or um, a grocery store that you enter to. That when you enter, there is like a limelight shining on you, and everybody wants to be in your presence. It's like, if I'm in your presence, I've been gifted. I've been touched. I've been loved. I, I want a little bit of that sun. I want a little bit of that Mars. Oh, my God, you make me feel like I'm so special. And those men that have it, that they will make everybody in the crowd feel special. And I think that this is a point that, that needs to be really um, – uh, high, highlighted here across the board if you're dealing with uh, glamour magic or charisma magic is that it's not just about you. It's about you and how you make people feel. So no matter mm. how many people you encounter, they all feel special because of your presence. And this is where the secret is, in my humble opinion. But I would love mm-hmm. to hear what you guys have to say about that. Go ahead, Ollie. Your turn. Yeah, um, I, as a person who does a lot of charismatic form of work, and uh, and in no small part is, is charismatic themselves. If I could say that about myself, um, I, yeah. I do a lot of uh, magic to improve charisma, and because I, a lot of my work involves engaging with the public as a as a person who teaches at the, at the universities, um, who does a lot of public speaking, um, a charisma plays a big role in that. Um, so I recognize that charisma works in multiple ways. And so the way I approach this is to divide up charisma two different ways, kind of two different approaches to dividing it in three categories. So <laughs> bear with me as I explain this. <laughs> I see charisma as first commanding. So if I'm interested in dominating a room or uh, improving leadership qualities, this is where I would use something like licorice root, really good for that commanding energy. You're going to use it. Uh, commanding oil, excellent. For uh, the other aspect of charisma is sexual charisma, as you called animal magnetism, or alluring. I would use calamus in a place like this, right? If I wanted to make myself more alluring to a person, I wanted people to be drawn to me sexually. Calamus really works really well for uh, men. Follow me, girl. Follow me, boy. All fantastic here. And then the third form of uh, charisma is influence. It's far more subtle, and it's a gentler form of charisma. It's not always used to dominate or command a room or for sexual things, but it gets what you want. 
It's a way of getting people to agree with you. It's far more subtle. It's gentle in its approach. Uh, this is deer's tongue. Deer's tongue works really mm-hmm. great here for self influence. And then the other way that I break up charisma is either as magnetic charisma, electric charisma, or hypnotic charisma. Magnetic is people are drawn to you. They just want to be around you. They want to hear you. Electric is infectious. They are caught up in your energy. You rouse them. You rile them up. You convince them. And hypnotic is, again, more subtle. They don't know why they're drawn to you. They don't know why they feel the way they do around you, but they lower all of their guards. And this is how I approach charisma. When someone asks for help or when I'm doing it for myself or for a client, we first diagnose what is it that their goal is and then what works well for them. This is important. Not all guys are going to have that commanding ability. They just aren't. They don't have the voice. They don't have the posture. But they can have sexual charisma or they can have influence charisma. So finding what works for you is an important approach here and then adjusting accordingly. This is not a one-size-fits-all form of charisma. You can do find where you fit and then work with that and make it your strength. Wow. Oh, yeah. that's, a, that's a very amazing breakdown. Um, I'd like to, to comment here on the uh, magnetic, electric, and hypnotic forms of charisma. Mm. Because this is, um, the magnetic form goes more easily with sexual charisma, but it's yes. also used, people speak of someone being a magnetic speaker. In other words, people listen to them talk. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. electric mm-hmm. is arousing them, but um, but it can you know it's it it, it often has a call to action, right? Yeah, and yep. they will mm-hmm. follow. And hypnotic um, charisma is really um, a, a form of of um, control through often through speech, but it can also be through dance and movement. Mm-hmm. We speak of people being a hypnotic dancer. And it's this repetitious wave-like movements that hypnotize mm-hmm. and make people um, follow. So those are all fascinating forms of charisma, and they do call for different types of roots and herbs. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to throw in a couple of um, ideas, too. Um, deer's tongue is really, really good for speech, as we as we mentioned. Mm-hmm. And for the for the magnetic one, you would want to say um, magnetic sand or lodestone or a magnet. Mm-hmm. Um, for the electric form of magnetism, you want something usually metallic, and I would say yep. um, that it could be um, copper, and it is um, a mineral, a, a stone, a metal. When I say stone, I mean malachite, which is a copper ore, mm-hmm. um, associated with um, a copper. Um, azurite, I think, is another one. Any of those that are um, that have copper in them are very electrical. They're very conductive, and also silver and gold mm-hmm. are electrical conductive. Mm-hmm. And for hypnotic, I would say you would want myrrh. Or mm-hmm. any of the um, dreamy opioid cannabis would work. Um, cannabis and myrrh together is about as hypnotic as it gets. Okay, mm-hmm. so those are the those are the um, roots and herbs I would recommend for those. 
Absolutely. And I think one of the approaches here is also in terms of, of what type of work are you going to do. So if you're looking for, for example, regular charisma or whatnot, you can do things like get a charmed uh, talisman of sorts you can wear. Mm-hmm. You can get, uh, we've talked, for example, about fascinator rings. Fascinator rings aren't just for women. Guys wear fascinator rings as well. Uh, pieces that they can put on, uh, they can, depending on which finger you put on. These work particularly well, for example, with magnetism, uh, especially if you make hand passes. So, for example, if you're in a room and you're giving a public speech, hand passes is something that I use with my gin ring in order to kind of captivate the audience. And it works. It works quite well. The other approach mm-hmm. is you get a, a mojo bag, something that you would carry with you going forward. Bathing works really well. One particular approach that I like um, and it depends on on uh, what your kind of goal is, if you're trying to uh, build your sexual charisma or you're trying to help to improve the actual appearance rather than these kind of other qualities, uh, is to work with scents. And there's two ways you can do it. You can mm-hmm. create your own mm-hmm. cologne or perfume, something that I do. You get your favorite scent that you really like, something that you think makes you feel really good, and then you add in John the Conqueror and a drop of your sexual fluids. And then you use this and it works really, really well as a way of creating and increasing your magnetism. Alternatively, a similar approach but works on a much kind of broader scent and visual is to create an incense that is geared towards magnetism. It would involve master root, deer's tongue, John the Conqueror root, uh, you know, in chip form. You can grind this all up into a into a fine powder, a little bit of calamus in there, and just a small pinch of Cuba berries. And you grind this all up and you burn it on an incense. And as the incense smoke rises, you place it on the floor and you step through the smoke. And what this will do is it'll create like a little smoky, miragey energy around you. One would call it your or affect your aura or whatever, but it's a way of, of adding on to your spirit the power of that incense, and it's a fantastic way. Uh, I generally teach clients to do it once a week on a Sunday to gather, you know, to tap into that solar energy, and then to repeat that as as often as they'd like, or only do it, you know, whenever they need it. But it's a really good practice to develop. That's a that's really nice so if, you, if you do work with incenses. I would also say that you could take, um, if you use an aftershave, you might want to take mm. those exact same things, Master Root, John the Conqueror, Calamus, Cubeb Berries, crush them. You don't need to make a powder of them. Just crush them and put them in your aftershave, okay? Mm. And that would work mm-hmm. very similarly if you don't like to burn incense. And one of the one of the herbs that um, could be also very useful because it's a test booster, it's a testosterone booster, is fenugreek. Mm-hmm. So even though mm. in Buddha we don't use it like that often, but adding it to your personal colognes or your shampoo or your incense could be quite mm-hmm. useful um, uh, to increase your uh, testosterone as well as ashwagandha would be really good. Mm. Um, yeah. as a as little extras or added into your diet because really testosterone in males is that hormone that is connected to the to Mars to Sun to all those different uh, things. And the other thing that I you know my first education was in Hindu traditions and initiated mm-hmm. to Kali and so forth. So working with chakras 
and clients is is has been very powerful for me and for my clients because understanding what the issue is and that could be done through your spiritual reading. So why is the person not as charismatic as they would want to? It could be because they have, you know, sexual trauma in the past. It could be because they cannot speak from their heart because there's something holding on there. But really the, the throat chakra, if you want to seduce people through speech, mm. this is where you can do so much work. And that means you can put some oils on your throat. You can even smoke it with incense as you pray, as you focus, as you, let's say, maybe you need to, to give a speech. Maybe you have some, I don't know, um, an annual plan that you need to present to the board. Maybe you're about to, to meet with that girl from Tinder that you really wanted to see or that guy from Grinder. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Working with your throat chakra and creating a whole ceremony around that so your speech, and we were talking about deer stance, five finger mm. breath, another one, very mercurial. So your speech is sweet and convincing and hypnotic and you pull them in and then if they're pulled into you, they don't even care anymore about how you look, what you have, you know, below the belt, none of that. <laughs> you just hypnotize them with your words. So working on a regular basis with your throat chakra, especially for those people who need to speak and have issues either in public speaking or, you know, they might be really great in communicating online digitally, but then when they're one facing a person, they're like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do with myself. That is a great chakra to work with. And mm-hmm. activating it will allow you to be successful, not just in your charisma, but generally being able to speak your mind, being able to convince people to do what you want them mm-hmm. to do, sign contracts and so forth. So I really, really, really um, recommend that kind of work. Yes, and Papa Newt, in the, in the chat room, Papa Newt put in, influence oil is great to anoint your throat with. And I agree mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a really good one. And there's a, there's a whole another aspect to charisma I'd like to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, many people... Um, are constantly bombarded with images. Uh, I could call them TV images, but it doesn't really matter. They could be social media images of mm-hmm. uh, perfected people. These people may even be photoshopped. Mm-hmm. These are perfected uh, artificial people. They may have had plastic surgery. They may be wearing a lot of makeup. They may be wearing false hair. And they may be actual, if they're still images, they may be photoshopped. In some cases, they are actually anime drawings, and they can't even be approached by real people. And we're subjected to these all the time. And when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we often go, oh, I don't look very good because I don't look like that. So I'm going to give you a quick exercise that really it comes out of um, psychological self-help. If there's any part of your body that you like and don't have a complaint about, like let's say your right hand. You look at your right hand, you go, it's so useful, I like it. You know? I'm going to give you an idea. I have a very large um, Macintosh screen because I do graphic design, so it's a huge screen. It's black. When when it's off, I don't have cycling, you know, 
bunny rabbits. I just have black. If I come to that screen, I will see myself as in a mirror, as in a black mirror. I have noticed for myself that all my life, when I catch sight of myself in the mirror, and this goes back to when I was a child, I would always say, oh, I'm so ugly, I'm so ugly. I just, it was what I was taught to believe, that I was so ugly. But I notice that when I come in front of my giant screen and I don't see my head, and I just see myself from the neck down to the waist or so, I go, oh, that's a pretty nice-looking woman. So I have, I have a, made an agreement with myself that from my neck to my, just below my genitals, I look great. Now, I, you may not agree with me. I'm just telling you what I see. I go, that's pretty good. I don't go, oh, that hateful, that hateful, stupid-looking person. I've also found that if I just put, it's a self-image thing. I've also found that I, if I put my hand up and I look and I go, what an interesting hand. I don't have to look. I'm looking at it in a mirror now, a black mirror, okay? I'm not looking at my actual hand. And I look at that hand in that mirror and I go, that's a very nice hand. I put both hands up. I've even done it with my feet. I'll put my feet up. Oh, what nice feet. So now I know where the problem in self-image lies. It's primarily my face and my posture. Because when I'm sitting down at my Macintosh, I sit down straight, but my posture gets all hunchy and I look like a little old female Bernie Sanders, right? The the the, the, the horror of Jewish osteoporosis. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we all know it. Um, uh, you know what I'm talking about, Nadia, right? <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about, and and I have I have something that I really want to. Say, but I'm going to let you finish because I, okay. that's really important. So what important. I'm saying I'm is, to... put put a part of yourself in front of a black mirror, and we all have a black mirror now because we all have giant monitors right there to go to black. Uh-huh. Um, think of how important obsidian was in the day. A black mirror. Put the part you like in front of the black mirror and say, "This is really good. This is what I show to the world," and then feel good mm. about yourself. That's just a little tip from the world of psychological self-help. Okay, go ahead, Madam Nadia. So I'm listening to this woman whose name is Caroline Denigret. She's French. She used to be a model. She's an um, um, activist. And she wrote a book that's called Older But Better But Older. And she is a woman who had great success as a trucking man. She was a model. She's still absolutely gorgeous, and she's French, and I have adoration for French women and everything French. And she actually says that in the book, when you are waking up on a day that you're not feeling 100% of yourself, be a stylist, meaning look in the mirror and look below the neck down and come together with your outfit or whatever you're going to do or maybe your affirmation or whatever it is that you're doing, don't look at the face because if you know that you walk up and you're not looking like you're 20 years old anymore and it's going to bring you down, forget about it. Be a stylist. Put yourself together. And I think that that frame of mind is important when we're trying to be more charismatic because some days are better and some days, let's admit it, you just wake up in a bad mood. Things are not as good as you want them to, to be, and bringing yourself to that charismatic, explosive state of mind is a little bit harder. So maybe on those days you look in the black mirror and your obsidian mirror and your black Macintosh screen, and you say to yourself, I'm going to go look from the neck down mm-hmm. and not from the neck mm. up, very consciously. 
because I know mm-hmm. that today I am going to be the shit. I'm going to be that thing. I'm going to be the business. I'm going to do what I need to do. And I'm mm-hmm. very conscious about what can interfere with that. So I am going to put the interference aside and I'm still going mm-hmm. to do what I need to do and to perform. And mm-hmm. it helps. There mm-hmm. is a really important this the, the working with a mirror here is really important. Mirrors are magical. And what mm-hmm. we reflect in them can often reflect out into the world. And there's whole mm. traditions of creating magic mirrors. And the magic mirrors today, we often talk about them as sort of divinatory tools. And they were. They were used for scrying and whatnot. But there's a long tradition of them being used for influence. Magic mirrors were used to influence people's minds, used to influence mm-hmm. dreams, but also used to, to create glamour magic, just to yes. use it in order to make one look better. So creating a magical mirror for them, there's a variety of different ways of doing it, washing mirrors, anointing them with various oils, all work fantastically. My recommendation for clients is always to stare themselves in the eyes uh, in the mirror rather than to look at any one thing because one of the things that we do is mirrors, particularly in harsh light, can highlight that the part of ourselves that we don't like, the wrinkle, mm-hmm. the jowl, the, the one hair that's off, the, the part of our nose that we don't like. And we often see that more than anyone else does. People generally don't look that closely at you. They look at you, they have that sort of general vague idea of what you look like. So what I tell clients is to stare themselves into, stare into their eyes in the mirror until they start to lose what you physically look like. And it all kind of becomes mm-hmm. vague. And then to repeat a series of affirmations. I am sexy. I am good looking. I draw to myself the people around you. And it works. It's a fantastic way of building charisma. Using the mirror. Uh, so I tell people, find a good mirror. Don't just use the mirror that's in the bathroom. Spend some time and find a mirror that you feel good with, that looks good, a nice long mirror that you can use or a hand mirror, whatever, and then use that for this particular uh, approach. And then the second thing is you don't have too much control over your biology. You can change certain things. You can lose weight. You can cut your hair. You can do various things to improve yourself, and you should. The one thing you have 100% control over is style. And style is forever. You Mm -hmm. can pick something that makes you feel good and look good. And let me tell you that 90% of glamour can be style. If you know you that belt that looks really well, you add a little bit of oil to it. You have a particular scarf you look good in. You have a jacket you look fantastic in. And to be clear, style doesn't mean you have to wear the latest and the greatest or the most. It's the thing you look good, the colors that make you look good, what makes you feel comfortable in your own skin. Find a style that works for you and stick with it. And let me tell you, it's powerful. Yes. Oh That's my God, really- yes. True. The, the the form of clothing, the colors, um, those oh, yeah. things um, really um, make a difference. And um, I'm going to go back a little bit here to um, folklore and folk magic. Once you have those things, you can um, uh, wash those clothes if they're washable mm-hmm. in um, again some of the some of the herbs and roots we mentioned before. Um, you can, if those things are leather, use a little bit of um, dressing oil to um, dress the leather rather than just straight up neat's foot oil. You can add mm-hmm. a little bit, for instance, of nature oil if you want mm-hmm. to appear more sexually commanding. 
You can add a bit of power oil if you want to appear more primal. Power oil has a picture of a naked guy on it. Um, nature oil, he's kind of half naked. <laughs> I mean, those are kind of pretty obviously what they are, right? Um, if you um, want to um, show in, you know, by oiling a piece of leather, if you want to show influence, use influence. Essence of bend over is a great one mm-hmm. to get people to bend down um, before you. And all of those can be used to uh, dress leather. They can also be used on metal surfaces mm-hmm. like that belt buckle. But a belt, for instance, with a belt buckle will, is very easy to dress with oil. I also want to say something in favor of sweat. Um, this mm-hmm. is a controversial topic because the um, the do-nothing useless corporations that create ways for us to spend our money on useless things long ago decided that they would train people to believe that human sweat does not smell good, even though most people, if raised naturally, would believe that human sweat is an identifier. It can be good, it can be bad, it can show disease, it can show health, it can show desire, it can show attractiveness. But somewhere around the beginning of the 20th century, um, the rise of the deodorant became popular, and a myth was created that people used perfumes to, quote, conceal their sweat. That's not really true. It blends with your Mm -hmm. sweat to make a really cool aroma. But the the rise of the brand Odorono, it was a particular brand of deodorant, Odorono, um, and there was a lot of um, shaming, and it became mm-hmm. so embedded in um, Western uh, American culture and Western European culture, the idea that your sweat was um, was bad. You would smell like a working man, and so of course we had to aspire to be elite. You would smell like a a man who um, didn't have access to a of a shower or bath um, because you lived in the in the countryside where there was no running water, and so these ideas were um, um, shoved literally into the eyeballs, brains, and down the throats of millions of people. And by now, billions of people believe that sweat smells bad. But actually, if you raise people naturally, and if they do have a discriminating nose, male sweat is a a sexual attractant. It's a secondary Mm -hmm. sexual characteristic to have hair on your underarms. Mm -hmm. And that underarm hair gathers the sweat, and then little bacterial cultures grow there. Much like aloes wood, one of the most prized perfumes is made by a fungus growing on a tree, Neither the fungus nor the tree smell like aloes would perfume, only the fungus and the tree together. And thus it is with the bacteria in our underarm hairs. Nice little warm environment. And if you have a nice culture, it's a, your biome is nice. It's called biome, B-I-O-M-E, your biome is good. People will love your sweat if they have not been brainwashed into neurosis. If they have been, well, Fuck them, you know. They're not for you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's really good. I'm going to give a, a real quick uh, formula for a voice. Uh, Madam Nadia was talking about chakra work, and I thought that was fantastic. There's a really good old remedy for people who want to have a sweet voice. You take deer's tongue, 
lodestone and calamus, and you fold it into a petition paper in which you've written your desire. You want to make you want to fold this up nicely. You don't want it to tear, so it should be a very small lodestone kind of grit. You put this in, fold it up, and place it into a jar of honey. Pray over, and then use the honey in everything that you're going to cook with or whatever type of sweetening is required in your coffee, your tea. But also you can just take a spoonful of it once a week uh, on a Sunday and you put it in your mouth and you let it kind of slowly dissolve and then you swallow it all. Don't trickle it back. Don't, you know, this isn't about coating your, your throat, but it is about just kind of coating your tongue and then swallowing it. And this will give you a honey tongue. It'll get people to listen to you. It'll get people to, to obey you. It'll get people to be influenced by you and it'll give you the power of the tongue, even if you may not have the best of voice or radio voice, etc., it can still make you very influential in the way that you speak. Mm-hmm. The honeyed yeah. tongue. I like that. Mm-hmm. The honeyed tongue. I, Ali, you taught me that, and I still have that that um, jar, and even though I don't do it very often, I did write. What I did, I wrote my intention on a cinnamon stick, and when I do mm-hmm. need it, I stir it up, and I lick that cinnamon steak like a good little girl, and I speak my intention <laughs> in my mind, and believe it, I get what I want. It's powerful well, work, I tell you. It, works. it is. It is. Yeah. I'm going to speak about another form of um, charisma, and this we alluded to when we spoke about hypnotic charisma. And I mentioned mm-hmm. that the waving form, the, the waving form of the body is hypnotic. All waveforms are hypnotic, and spiraling forms are hypnotic. So anything that you can do to um, increase the spiraling or the waveform, and and um, Ali spoke about wave hand passes, mm-hmm. but there also are roots and herbs that have those spiraling and waving forms, and those are just by the shape and the form of the item. Licorice root, I mean, we're talking about that, was like, it's real straight, and you can split it with a knife, and it'll just Mm -hmm. split, you know. That is not a waving form, you know. Master root, on the other hand, spirals and is waving, right? Yes. It it has that spiraling, waving, hypnotic quality. Um, Honeysuckle, the vines waving and twirling around things. Honeysuckle flowers are sweet like honey. Put honeysuckle flowers in your honey and put in a little bit of the waving, twirling vine. Send your honey. Another one that is a waving, twirling is periwinkle. It's a vine, okay? And it's used for couples. It, it, the leaves grow in pairs. I love boop, working boop, with that. Boop, boop. Boop, boop, and you need both mm-hmm. leaves for that little pear, and that is, it's not the greatest thing to eat. You don't want to make a meal of it, but it, a little bit of it in a crumbled up will, will work for you nicely. Um, any of the things that are um, curly willow, you know what curly willow mm-hmm. looks like? Willow is just a fabulous, um, you know, feminine um, herb, but curly willow has a kind of masculine curl and wave to it because of the way pussy willows also. All right. Well, it sounded like music, and that means we're going to have to bring this to a close, and that means we're going to go and do our reading. But this was a wonderful topic. Thank you, Nadia. And there's going to be a lot more that we can talk about this. And so I'm going to turn this over to uh, Papa Newt, and he will bring on our client. Support for this programming is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. 
and by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic contra practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our client, and our client is a first-time caller calling in from area code 229 in Georgia. This is Alice. Alice, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello, and welcome to the show, and thank you for entrusting us with your situation this evening. Now, I see that uh, you haven't had a reading with Miss Catter-Conjman-Ali, but you did have a, a, a reading with a, a Sister Ruby two months ago on this particular situation. Is that correct? Yes, that is. Oh, thank you. And Alice writes, I've met this guy, and it seems like he has a lot going on. I'm just wondering, what is going on with him? Does he have good intentions towards me? Turning back to you, Miss Cat. Well, we're going to go to the what I call the client two space. So our first reader is going to be Ollie. Thanks, Kat. Uh, just a couple questions, if, if you don't mind me asking. Uh, first, Alice, what is your sign of the zodiac? Um, I'm a Cancer. You're a Cancer, okay. And what sign is this person you're interested in? Well, he's an Aquarius. He's an Aquarius, okay. Always a strange sign, Aquarius. <laughs> Especially when it comes to matters of when it comes to matters of love. I love I love them. They're, they're wonderful, but they are a bit of a strange sign. Um, and then, uh, how old are you, roughly? If you just kind of, you don't need to be specific. Oh, do you want to know how old I am? Yes. Oh, okay. So I'm 53. I'll be 54 in June. Okay. All right. And how old is he? He's 54. He just turned 54. Okay. We're just checking to see where he is in this stage. So I've pulled a few cards here, and we're going to take a look and see what the potential is here, what the intentions are, and will this lead to anything. And the very first card I have is the Five of Pentacles. And the Five of Pentacles is usually not a good indicator of uh, things to come. And it does tell us that there is a lot going on in his life. This is a person who is going through some difficult times, uh, their strain, struggle, and tension. And we see this as a result of the environment. The Five of Pentacles is a person in crutches, following after a, a woman who's also seen some hard times and they're out in the cold and the dark and in the night and behind them is the glow of the cathedral, meaning that this is a person who is so caught up in this environment and in their struggle that they don't actually recognize the warmth that you offer them. So there is, there's something that you're offering and it is beautiful or it is comforting and in fact the very thing that he may need, but he isn't quite where he needs to be in his life in order to recognize that. There is a lot going on and this seems to be uh, coming from multiple directions, both in terms of the sort of environment he's in, but also it seems to involve somebody else. There's someone on the picture that is either the source or the or partly or part of this kind of struggle that he's in, and so be aware of that. That this is a person who. You know, who's a little bit rough, who's a little bit worse for wear because of his life experiences. He's gone through a lot, and he's continuing to deal with that struggle, which leads us to the Two of Swords. The Two of Swords indicates a crossroads, an inability to decide where to go next in life. It shows us a young woman 
sitting on a uh, stone bench, and she's got two swords crossed over her chest and a blindfold on, indicating that there isn't a clear understanding of where they want to go, which path they want to take. But what is clear is that whatever decision that they make, it will come with some sacrifice. It will come with some hurt. It will come with some pain. But it is not an easy path forward. These cards taken together indicate stasis, indicate something frozen in time. This is a man who is caught up with something else. His intentions are not bad. I don't sense that he's an evil, wicked, or, or, or you know, bad person in any way, shape, or form, but rather a person who is deeply caught up in their life circumstances, and as a result, that's forced them to hunker down a little bit. You are offering something here, and there is good intention certainly there, but I don't think this is the right time. Timing is going to be the big issue here, uh, not just personality, not just compatibility, but simply a matter of where you are right now versus where he is right now. This is not – you guys aren't linking up. When I see these two cards together, I always say, ah, star-crossed. This is an issue of timing. What's going on is not working in your benefit. The final card that we have here tells us of what we can expect in the future, and that is the Queen of Pentacles. And the Queen of Pentacles is a powerful woman, a self-made woman who is sitting on a throne with a golden coin in her hand. Uh, this indicates that any type of work that you do should involve some talismanic work or some earthy work of some sort. You will come out of this the better. I don't foresee that this will lead to anything meaningful or lasting, but instead you should redirect your energies towards finding someone who has all the qualities you like in this person, uh, all the good intentions, but who is fully able to be your partner, someone who can be the king to your queen. Uh, I do sense that this can uh, bring about some great uh, happiness and joy and fulfillment in your life. It may take a few months. I sense this will probably happen around April or May time is when you'll see a transition in your life, opening up for new people to come in. I don't see this happening with the current individual in question. I think the timing is just off. But by redirecting your energies internally, by focusing on yourself and drawing the right partner to you, you can find happiness within a matter of a couple months. So you're not even waiting that long. Uh, you'll be able to kind of achieve what you're kind of hoping for, what you truly desire. Uh, that's what I see here, a little bit of clarity work, a little bit of self-directed work, some talismanic work, and I think you'll be in good shape to move on to something bigger and better. Uh, I'm going to turn this over to Madam Nadia, who will do your next reading, and then Miss Cat, who I often associate with the Queen of Pentacles, uh, will give you your root work. Uh, okay. okay, my dear. So I pulled some cards as well, and um, as often happens, I'm quite aligned with what Ali has to say. I'm using the Lenormand cards, and I pulled some cards out. And um, the combination that I have here includes the letter, the flowers, the tree, and the park. Now, when I see this combination, especially with the park being the last card, to me, we're talking about a person who is a little bit of a player, who is interested in not being committed to one person, but probably is coming out from a relationship or being tied up in a situation. 
and wanting to receive attention from multiple women and being able, talking about charisma, right, being able when he's communicating with you and this communication is more written, so this could be text, messaging, things like that because we have the letter here. It's very beautiful. It's very attractive if the flowers are there. He makes it feel very, very special. But what he's not telling you is that there is roots or connections to other situations. And as uh, Conjurman Ali said, there is a timing factor because when the tree shows up, it always tells us there is a period of time. The tree also often represents family ties or roots and being tied up in a situation and some sort of illness or sickness. So with all that, looking at all that picture together, what I'm saying is that this is somebody who can make you feel very, very special when they communicate with you. But then when they pull out and they stop communicating, you're like, what the heck? What happened? I don't understand what's going on. This is also somebody, when I look at the cards, I see somebody who has committed to somebody else or have some roots or attachments to a situation or a person that is preventing them from fully committing to somebody else. And with the park or the garden being the last card, this is not a person who wants right now to be fully in a relationship with one person. It's a person who wants to feel magnetic and attractive and charismatic to different women. And he will fulfill your need for whatever you need to hear at that moment. And he will tell you and almost mean what he wants to say to you at that time. But he also does it with other people. He either is tied up in a situation from before that you either unaware of or you don't want to deal with, or he is whatever he's doing with you is doing with other women as well. And what I would suggest is exactly that is enjoying the compliment, figuring out what you like about him, and moving on with the target of saying, in a few months, I will meet the, meet the man that will give me what I want and will feel as good as, as that, but will be here for real. Because this guy, it doesn't seem to me like he's really there to commit fully to what you want, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. And I will right. let this cat give you some some real good root work advice about what to do here. Okay. All right. Well, Alice, this, these cards are not very encouraging, and I know a lot of people, you know, they come to us, they're expecting a reading, and they, they're telling, you know, telling us, please make this reading be good, sort of, you know, that's what they're hoping for. But this reading is, um, it just doesn't seem like it's going on for you and he. Now, you were wondering, what is going on with him? Does he have good intentions? And I'm seeing that his intentions are probably good, but there's more going on than you know. One of the things that I noticed in both of those readings, and it was only slightly alluded to, was there may be a health problem and there may be a family problem. And the, there may be, putting two together, there may be a family health problem. Something It may not be that he's like a player and seeing other people or whatever, but there may be um, a sick mother, a sick child. There may be something like that that's also dragging his attention. So I'm not going to say that he's just a um, a shallow player. I'm going to say there there's something going on with the guy that these cards are not uniformly 
beneficial to him. And uh, particularly the Five of Pentacles is, is not a beneficial card for him. So that's not to say I feel sorry for him and you should forgive him and hang in there because it doesn't look like the time is quite right. All right, so what would I do in this situation? I like to never give up. Why do I never give up? Because I'm a Taurus, and Tauruses never give up. And um, we don't give up until the relationship is cold, dark, and dead in the grave and eaten by earthworms. Then we might not even give up. Um, we might practice so, a bit of necromancy first, and then we'll get up. Necromancy, come on. That's just a little. Funny, man. So... So I I wait to see, you know, is it really dead? Is it really not going to go anywhere? So what I do is um, a demand spell. And this is a demand for it to show its life. If it's going to show, it'll show when I'm finished with my demand spell. This is not a demand that he comply with you. This is not a demand like I'm going to make him into a, a, a zombie and make him come to me as a dead zombie. This is a demand. Show me your life. Show me what you've got. And I, it's very simple. Um, I would, and and excuse me for being, you know, kind of um, the way I am. He's an Aquarius. Well, Aquariuses are not the most um, cutesy-poo of signs. I know, because I've got my moon in Aquarius. They're rather technical. You know, they, they could be in bed making love, but they stay up late working on a dowsing bibliography because moon in Aquarius, you know. Um, so did I get some laughter from the peanut gallery? <laughs> I think mm-hmm. I did. Um, <laughs> you definitely but did. So Aquarius is not the most demonstrative. Um, you, on the other hand, are a Cancerian, and they are, they're from the heart. They're just so much heart and desire, love, but easily wounded because you give. Right? So I'm going to tell you to start with something very simple, the candle. You can use a little figural candle of a man. I'm going to ask a question if if you're still there on the line. Um have um have you ever had sex with this man? <laughs> yes. You have. Well, that's good. That's good. Then you got that. <laughs> good. Can you have sex with him again? Good. We're going to get you to get some of some of his sexual fluids or a little bit of his pubic hair or something, just something, the sweat from under his arms. And I want you to use that. You can store it on, you know, put it on a little piece of cloth. Everyone always talks about ugh, toilet paper. No, 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 please, not toilet paper. Something like a little piece of cloth or something. Or any of the sexual fluid. I want you to have that, and you're going to use it on a with a candle. If you um, can, I want you to consider taking a, a small candle. I don't usually use a figural candle for these. I use a small one. And insert the candle just telling you just the truth. Insert the candle up your pussy to get your sexual fluids on it, to get your juices on it. Take whatever you have of him, whether it's a hair, whether it's his fingernails, whatever you got, and put it around your candle. If you can have it on a string or something, just lay it around the base. And you're going to say, all right, here we are. And while this candle burns, I'm going to call on you to show me all your love. Now, I would use a uh, either a white candle, because that's for purity of thought, pink candle, that's for solidarity and friendship, or a red candle for sex. But since you already had sex, and it's not about can I have more sex, it's are your intentions good, I'd probably go with a white candle. And I would say, um, we've had fun, you know, and we've done good, but let's see what you have to bring me. 
right, let's see what you really have to bring me. And you can put in around it some um, uh, oil or anything like that to dress it. But I would like to keep, when I'm doing magic for relationship, and I'm just doing, this is called a test candle. It's not a spell to make him do something. It's to test him. And you, when you do that, I don't often add um, anything other than maybe clarity oil um, because you want to see. And because that card that Ollie got of the blindfolded person crossed across mm-hmm. the chest with two swords, that shows that he doesn't have clarity of vision. His clarity is missing. So clarity oil would be a good thing to use. Then I would burn that candle. I would do it, um, you know, on an evening when I had a little time. Those little candles burn for about an hour and a half. And and um, light the candle and sit in front of it. And I want you to read um, a psalm or a piece of scripture or speak from your heart what your own prayers are. I happen to like Psalms 45. It's one of the sexy psalms. And um, Psalms 45 is really ba- basically gives you permission to pray. It says, my my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. So what I'm going to say from now on is going to be where I'm from. And you read Psalms 45, and then you speak to that candle in his name. So, so-and-so, you know that I really care for you, but I have been watching, and I want to see the truth. The next time we meet, I want you to speak the truth, whether it's on accident or on purpose. The next time we're together, I want you to tell me what's in your heart. I want you to give me all the love you have to give. It's a very simple spell. You just work it. And um, and you can, if you have a picture of him, a photo of him, um, put that up in a little easel frame or next to the candle. Don't catch it on fire. Or if you have a picture of the two of you together, uh, that's even better. And you can put that there. You can dress that picture frame with a little bit of um, love oil, like love me, come to me, something like that. But I really want to get him to be able to speak his truth. He'll either stumble and reveal a, a bad secret, or he will all of a sudden declare himself. That's what you're looking for. You can add a little deer's tongue around this. Now, when I say he might stumble and declare a bad truth, I saw some things in those cards that indicated a health problem. And there may be his health and it may be somebody else's health. So that may be something else that's going on that he doesn't want to talk about or he may not yet have understood it fully. But there may be some little bit of a health problem there. All right. Um, that's And if the the other you know, bad secret might be that he is um, seeing another woman or has an ex or something, okay? We want to get a revelation. All right. All righty. Well, good luck to you, um, and, I, and I really hope uh, to hear back from you maybe in a little while and see what happened. And as Ali said, May will be a good time for you. May is the good month for you. Good luck to you, hon. All right. Well, here is our fabulous little piece of music. And uh, on we go to the network schedule announcement, which is pre-recorded for your delight by the archived electrons of Nagashiva Ironwood. Not this time. Oh, no. 
The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hooter Rework Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Consumant Ollie. Sunday, 3 to 4.30. Crystal Silence League with John St. Germain. Tuesdays, 5 to 6. Blue Flag Blue Radio with Lady Muse. 5, Fridays, 7 to 8. And the Witch Truth from the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Buffet. Fridays, 1 to 2 p.m. All time specific. Add three hours for Eastern. Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. And online at LuckyMojo.com. Well, that was mind blowing. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's time for our free spell segment with Madam Nadia of MadamNadia.com in Chicago, Illinois. Take it away, Madam Nadia. Taking it away, Papa News. Okay, so as we are going back to our topic of charisma and specifically masculine charisma, testosterone boost, all those good things. Um, I am going to persuade you here to work with some uh, red skull candles, and I'm posting it right here um, just so we have some information as I'm talking about it. So what I would like you people to get is um, a red skull candle. And the red is because we use Martian energy and we use sun energy and we use male energy. And if you want to increase your charisma and you want to increase your glamour and ability to attract influence and so forth, I want you to get that red candle and I want you to baptize it in your name. I want you to mix a hair from your head. And now for those individuals who don't have much hair on their head, feel free to make uh, to mix a hair from your pubic area, a nail clipping from your dominant hand, a drop of your spit, and a drop of your semen. I want you to take a little bit of beeswax, and I want you to mix those personal concerns with a little bit of hydron the conquer with a little bit of ginseng, which is really, really good for male energy, and with mm-hmm. fenugreek, a little bit of commanding oil, and a little bit of influence oil. Now it's you. Now you got a little bowl, and you're going to go into the bottom of the skull candle, and you're going to start digging to make room for that little bowl. Another thing that I want you to do is I want you to print out two pentacles, or keys of Solomon, okay? But I want them to be really, really small because we are going to put them into that candle. And the first one is going to be the first pentacle of the sun. So we bring that boost of male, beautiful sun energy in. And the second pentacle of Mars, we're going to bring in as well. And I know that some people really like when I start reading Hebrew, so I will uh, do that for you if you would like. Mm -hmm. But the second pentacle of Solomon, which is figure 26 in the book of uh, the key of Solomon the king, says, which means, in it was the life, and the life was the light of men. So you're essentially bringing the power of Mars and the power of Sun, and you're lighting it up. 
wherever you're going, you're going to be that light in the room, that flame that everybody's attracted to. So you're going to have those two pentacles facing one, the other, and you're going to have that bowl of beeswax that you are going to put in between and you're going to pray over it. Now make those pentacles little. You don't want that shit to light on fire and be a big mess, okay? Put it all together. As you crush in it, what I like to do is I like to pray over it again for what you want to happen, for what you want to desire. I also want you to get a little but strong magnet, those kind of magnets you get in science stores and kids' stores, okay? Because that's going to, to be the core of that whole thing that you built together that you're going to put into the candle. Get yourself a sensor. Get yourself some charcoal to burn your incense on. And what I want you to get is I want you to get some um, sandalwood, because when we speak into sandalwood, we get what we want, okay? You can get commanding incense. You can get influence incense. You can get success incense. Run that goodness, your, your petition, if you will, and the magnet in the smoke and cork it. Put it inside the candle on the bottom. Put that uh, magnet on the bottom, and then you can melt some wax around it so it doesn't go anywhere. What you're going to do is you're going to go and you're going to work that candle for 21 days. And the reason I'm saying 21 days, because 21 days is proven to form a habit. So if you intuitively or for whatever reason think that you are not charismatic enough, you're not good enough, you cannot attract what you want, 21 days is a period of time that you need at least to change that habit. So you're going mm. to work with that. You're going to burn some crown of success incense, again, some sandalwood. You can put some fenugreek on that charcoal. You can run that candle in the, in the um, incense. You invoke the power of the sun. You work the power of Mars, and you light that candle and you pray and you let it burn for a little bit for 21 days with the 21st day would be the last day where you let it all burn down you decide on the time of day if you work with planetary hours i would recommend if you can working with either mars or sun again it depends if you want more sexual or aggressive attraction work with mars if you want more influential, I am the king, worship me kind of energy, work with the sun. Those are the planetary hours that I would work with. Now, another little thing that you can do, you can mix a little bit of brandy or you can use a brandy and add some ginseng and ashwagandha in there. And you can Spray your candle with it. If you practice African traditions, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If not, you can take a little bit, a little sip, a little spoonful of that before you start speaking your intentions and lighting that candle. Now, when everything is done, you just put it all together in brown paper bag. And what I would like to do, you can bury it in a place that's important to you. But if it was me, I would search up a nice cemetery next to my house where somebody important that you admire is buried. 
and with permission, bury the leftovers of that skull candle there to help receive the blessings of that person with some brandy there, with some money there. Ask them, tell them this is a business deal. I'm just asking you for some pointers, how to make myself more charismatic and attractive to the masses, to the other mm. sex, to the same sex, whatever you want to do. Let's work it that way and see what happens. 21 days, though, you have to commit to it. Wow. 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 That's an amazing that's spell. Wow. It, it's got, got, it got it all. It all. <laughs> all right. Well, there's our music, and we don't want to make Papa Newt have to race for the finish line. So um, we're going to let him come in with our um, announcements. And um, if you have the archive... That entire spell is printed in the chat log, and you can see it. Take it away, Papa Newt, and we'll come back afterwards and say goodbye. Well, thank you, Miss Cat and Contraman Ali, and thank you, Madam Nadia of MadamNadia.com in Chicago, Illinois, for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Rootworkers will be Deacon Millet of FourAlters.org in the high deserts of California, bringing us the topic on attracting new love. Once again, we come to an end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forest Hill, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjurman Ali at theconjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Papa Newt, joining you from papanewt.com in Omaha, Nebraska. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rubric Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to say thank you for being here and enjoy and invite you to join us next week at the same time when you'll hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you, Papa Newt. I want to give a shout-out to the folks in the chat room, uh, some of the people who are always here, and I love them for it and so grateful. Angela L., we have... Uh, Chocolate Doll. I like that the way that's spelled. Of course, uh, a covet yeah. gift to Justine Sanders, Luminaria Star, and uh, Miss Miranda Tarot and Tony I. And, of course, all of the uh, people who are on the show. But these people are always with us. And a shout-out to anyone who couldn't make it this time. But uh, we love you all. Come and tell your friends. Be here in the chat room with us. All right. Good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. Bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.